Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Good morning again. This morning, I want to talk about the subject of discouragement. You know, um, if you've been alive for more than a minute, you've at some point experienced discouragement. And the reality is, is that sometimes discouragement can become overwhelming. It it can reach a point where a, a person just feels like giving up, just throwing in the towel. And, and you know, it, it really can tear a person down. So this morning, what I want to do is look at how we are to face and how we are to approach discouragement uh, from a biblical perspective. Um, just Albert Einstein once said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I think that so often that is how we approach life, that um, we, we keep doing things the way we've always done things, and then we get frustrated because there's no change, you know, that, that we're in the same, the same predicament that we've been in before. And... The, the reality is, is what the Bible calls us to do is to quit thinking naturally, quit thinking in the way that, that we do as humans, and instead begin to look at and think um, about the issues we deal with from what the Bible has to say. And when we change from looking at something one way and we begin to look at it from what the Bible says, that's what is called repentance, when we change directions. And the reality is, is that the Christian life is supposed to be about learning to think less and less as we do in a natural way and begin to think more and behave more like Jesus Christ would have. So this is, this is the goal this morning. Now, um, a man by the name of William Ward, he was a, an English missionary and an author. He lived um, back in the, the 17, late 1700s. And he wrote this. He said, discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the, uh, the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises, promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. So I want us to look at the way we think and to look at how to change the way we think um, and, and the way we approach being discouraged. 
Now, if you have ever experienced discouragement or if you're going through it right now, well, then you have picked a good day to be here. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, Moses told the people that what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by in the increasing burden of their slavery. Well, what I want to do is ask you this morning, what is enslaving you that is causing you to be discouraged? You know, is there sin in your life of some certain kind? Are you having money problems? Are you having relationship issues? What is it that is bringing discouragement to you? What problem have you had that maybe you've had it for so long that it's now a, a habit for you? It, is, it, is, it has become chronic in your life. You have become discouraged to the point that you've just kind of said, I give up, I quit. I'm, I'm not even looking for an answer anymore because I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, David from the Bible um, certainly felt this way from time to time. And in Psalm 42, verse 5, David says, why am I so discouraged? Why am I sad? But then he answers his own question with a solution. And this is certainly the solution that we need. I will put my hope in God. Anytime you're feeling discouraged, you need to change your thought process and you need to change your focus. Instead of looking at yourself and looking at your problem, you need to change your focus and begin to look to God. Now, we're going to use Paul as an example. The Apostle Paul um, certainly went through some hardships in his life. And I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he talks about the hardships that he had had in his life. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently because of preaching the gospel. I've been flogged more severely. And, and the truth is, I don't think it, you know, maybe some of us have had spankings in our life, but we've probably never been flogged, which is, you know, the, the Romans would have a cat of nine tails, you know, a whip with pit bits of either bone or metal in it, so, and they'd whip you with it. And, and Paul says, I, I've been exposed to this. I've been exposed to this over and over again. Five times I received 39 lashes. I know three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And I, I feel it necessary to say when the Bible talks about being stoned, it's not like you people from the 70s. You know, it, it's a different kind of stoned. All right. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, nearly stoned to death. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move and I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my own countrymen. I've even been in danger from the Gentiles. In danger in the city, in the country, at sea. In danger from false brothers. You know, I, I wanted you to hear that because if anybody had a right to be discouraged, it was the Apostle Paul. 
You know, he he had really been through a lot of bad stuff in his life. And so what I hope is by looking at the example Paul has given us that I'm giving you some tools, uh, some help to help you live the life that God desires for you to live. You know, we are supposed to be doers of the words, not hearers only. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to give you several different keys to help you deal with the discouragement. But you know what? If you don't apply what the Bible teaches, then it's useless. You know, uh, if, if you hear the message today and then you walk out and say, well, I really don't know what to do. Oh, I'm so discouraged. And you don't apply any of this, then what good is it? So if you didn't pick up a, a sermon outline on the way out, be sure to grab one and, and use this. Begin to apply it to your life. The very first thing that we need to understand that will help us get over discouragement is to understand how much God loves you. This is critical. This is, this is you know, right down the, the, the line, the most important thing that we need to understand. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, It is God Himself in His mercy who has given us this wonderful work of telling His good news to others so that we never give up. This whole chapter is dealing with discouragement. And what he's saying is, I don't get discouraged because I remember God's mercy. I remember how much God cares about me. When it says God in His mercy, what, what he's saying is, mercy is love and grace demonstrated. So when, when we understand that God is extending mercy to us, He is extending love to us. He's extending grace to us. He's saying, I value you. You know, and so when, when you experience discouragement, when you're thinking, oh man, this, this just stinks. I, I hate the way life is treating me or, or anything like that. Then you need to understand first and foremost, God cares about you. You matter to him. He loves you. He is wanting to be invested in your life. You know, remember this. You were created to love God and be loved by God. You were created to be in relationship with God. God made you because He loves you, because He cares about you. You know, there are no mistakes. God made each and every one of us, and He made us who we are because that's how He wanted us. You know, and so my question to you is, are you letting God love you? Are you trying to embrace God or do you keep God at arm's distance because you, you don't think he cares or, or you don't trust him or something like that? Remember John 3.16. This is how much God loves us. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
You know, this is what it means to have mercy and grace and love extended to us. You know, two of the benefits of, of focusing on God and on his love and his mercy is that I don't have to prove myself. You know, I, God has said I matter. Therefore, if God says it, I don't have to worry about whether someone else thinks whether I matter or not. I don't have to wallow in my failure because I know that God's mercy and his grace and his love have been extended to me. You know, verse two, um, and, and this is the second key of defeating discouragement, uh, is we don't have to fake it. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. God made us just the way we are. Okay, he didn't make us sinful, but he made your personality. He, he knows who you are. He knows what you are. He knows how you are. And so we don't have to fake it. We don't have to be hypocrites and pretend to be something that we're not. You know, the reality is, is that too often we're trying to be something other than what we are. And as a result, it, it makes us miserable. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says, we don't do shameful things that must be kept secret. And we don't try to fool anyone or twist God's message around. God is our witness that we speak only the truth so that others will be sure we can be trusted. Now, what this is talking about is let's be authentic. Let's be genuine. Let's be real. Nothing is more discouraging than trying to be something that we're not. You know, God didn't make you to be someone different. So Paul is saying, let's, let's not be fake here. You know, let's don't try to mislead someone. Well, why do we try to pretend to be something that we're not? Because we're afraid that if people knew who we really were, they wouldn't like us. And you know what? That's probably true. Um, you know, but, but the reality is that we need to be who we are so that when people look at us, they can see God through us. They don't need to see us pretending to be something and acting like we're something that we're not. You know, and, and then Paul says, not only don't fake it, but don't don't be misleading in the way you live your life. You know, he says so that others will be sure that we can be trusted. Just be yourself because it's not about us. It's not about about us doing stuff. It's about God in us. And so when we try to please other people, it's going to become discouraging because we're never going to please everybody. And, and if we get on that, that rat race treadmill, all we're going to do is just spin our wheels going through the motions. You don't have to be perfect. Let that sink into you. You don't have to be perfect because you're not. And... Even though you may think you're passing yourself off as perfect, you know, we're all a mess. Every single one of us is a mess. We just, uh, you know, we just want to pretend that we're not. And, and so when we are being authentic in Christ, 
then what we're, we're trying to do is show Christ through our life rather than trying to be something that we're not. Well, what is it that keeps us being, from being real, from being authentic, from not being hypocrites? Well, when we, if, you know, in our broken thinking, what we think is, well, if people, people know me, they're going to reject me. Well, not necessarily. You know, and again, remember, the only person, you know, the only one that you need to impress is God. Let God be first place in your life. Let God reign in your life and then just be real and, and let things happen the way they're supposed to. So the first two points are, you know, don't fake who you are and be, you know, be focused on the love that God has for you. Now, the third thing is in, in dealing with discouragement is remember, it's not about you. You know, to let, let the pressure come off. It's not about you. And, and it's not about me either. It, it's, it's about Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. Now, I'm going to get off the subject a little bit, but at the same time, this is very much on the subject. Um, when one, of the one of the problems that we have in our world today is rather than looking to God for answers, rather than using the Bible for answers, people turn to things like the field of psychology. Well, let me tell you something about the field of psychology. All of the theorists out there, whether it's Maslow or Freud or whoever, Freud, Freud, um, you know, regardless of who it is, all of them have built their model off of a sin base. They look to humans and say, this is what needs to be, this is how it is, this is what needs to be fixed. Well, when the field of psychology, you know, Everything is focused on self. And let me tell you, if you're focused on self, you're hosed. I mean, you're, you're in a bad, bad way. Because the field of psychology is a broken model from the get-go. The only way that you can find true healing, the only way you can find true, uh, a true path that leads to, to healing and transformation is when you look to Jesus Christ and you use the Word of God to guide you. The field of psychology is only going to take you deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. I'm going to be real with you this morning. I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. I have been hospitalized in the past for mental health issues. I, I am a broken person. And when I went to the, the quote-unquote experts, they said, look to yourself, look inside. You know, your, your healing comes from within you. No, it doesn't. I'm broken. I can't heal myself. That would be the equivalent of sitting on a stool and trying to pick yourself up. 
You know, it can't happen. Healing comes from Jesus Christ. And it comes from the Word of God. And so if you're focusing on you, if you're looking at yourself, if you're, if you're trying to find the answers inside of you, you're in a mess. Because you can't find your way out of a wet paper bag. And neither can I. We need to understand that. So what we do is we come to God. You know, God wants to use you and He wants to have, have you be the message of what a redeemed life looks like. You know, God wants to, the world to see Him through you. You know, He didn't put you on earth to be all about yourself. That's sin. That's human, human sinfulness. He put you on this earth so that you can be a light that shines in the darkness to a world that is broken. You know, it, it, now, part of the problem is that we run out of motivation and we, we become discouraged. And, and so what we need to understand is that God isn't wanting you to pretend to be something you're not. He wants you to understand that He loves you and He cares about you. And when He looks at you, He's not trying to see whether you're perfect or not, because you're not. You can't be. The only thing perfect about a Christian is Jesus Christ in them. And so what we need to understand is that when we step up and say, God, use me, we're not going to do anything in and of ourselves. It's going to be God doing something through us. I, I used the example this morning. Remember the story when Jesus healed a blind man by picking up dirt in the palm of his hand and he spit in the dirt and made mud. And then he rubbed that mud on the guy's eyes. Y'all remember that story? Did the guy do anything whatsoever to bring about healing? Nothing at all. God did everything. And so what you need to understand is you are to be the mud to the world. God wants to spit in your life and use you to bring healing to people that are broken. Did you ever think that you'd come to church and be told you're supposed to be spit mud? That's, that's what you're supposed to be. You know, it, it, you're not perfect. You're, you're just a person. I'm just a person. But when we come to God and say, God, I'm not trying to be fake. I'm not trying to do anything other than just be available to you. That's what matters. You know, God doesn't want you to try and be, be something that you're not because you're not. He's more interested in you being available to Him than how good. You know, we've got sign-up lists out there for all kinds of ways to serve God. And a lot of people won't. And the reason they won't is because, first of all, they think they're too important. I just don't have time. Really? You don't have time. You have time for all of the other garbage that's going on in the world, but you don't have time to give God a little bit. You know, well, I wouldn't be any good at it. 
Well, you don't have to be good at it. You have to be available because if you're trying to be good, you're doing it out of your flesh and, and God is not going to use that. The only way God can really use us is when we surrender to him and say, here I am. I'm ready to be mud. All you need to do is spit on me, God. You know, that, that's what we need to understand. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God in us. You know, when he when we stand before God one day, he's not going to say, well, you really didn't sing very good or you really, you know, didn't do the best Bible studies or you really didn't have the best prayers I've ever heard. That's not what God's going to say. He's going to say, I looked at your heart and you were sold out to me. Or he's going to say, I looked at your heart and you were just going through the motions. You were just fulfilling an obligation even though you didn't want to. It's the attitude of our hearts that God is interested in. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. That's exactly the thing. We are nothing other than fragile pottery. We're going to break. We're going to crack. We're going to have problems. That's reality. But that's okay because even when we're cracked, the light that is God is supposed to be shining out of us. So through the cracks, let some light out. You know, that's the whole point. You know, if God used perfect people, nothing would ever get done because there's no perfect people. God has always used flawed people. You know, think about it. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, Moses was a murderer. You know, the disciples were all, you know, they were like the keystone cops. They couldn't get out of each other's way. Every single one of them was a mess up. We're all mess ups. So let's don't fake it. Let's just be the fragile clay pots that we are. And let's just be who we're supposed to be. And let God shine out of us. You know, God has always worked that way. He does his best stuff when we are not our best. You know, and, and I'm, again, I'm not saying let's go out and sin. That's not the point. It's that even at our best, we fall short. This is, this is why humility is so important in the Christian's life. Because we're, we're supposed to just say, here I am. It's not going to be about me. It's going to be about God. I just want God to use me. Now, the fifth thing is that Paul says that we need to use the pain that we have in our lives to do good things and help other people. You know, again, whatever brokenness you are experiencing or have experienced in your life, don't waste that. That stuff is valuable to the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, <clears throat> it says, we, have, we often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, 
we get up again. You know, there it is. He doesn't quit. Because when you have God's presence in your life, you've got everything. You know, Paul was resilient. Paul was relentless. And what allows him to keep getting up over and over again is that he knows why he's doing it. He's doing it for God. In verse 15, it says, all these things are for your benefit so that the grace of God that is being given to, to more and more people will bring increasing thanks to God for his glory. Notice that all of these sufferings of ours are for your benefit. He understood his purpose. You know, the suffering that you have in your life isn't just there to make your life miserable. It's there so that when you work through it, when you and God connect and He brings healing, He brings transformation, He brings about change in your life, then you're able to turn around and when you, you encounter people that are dealing with the same kind of problems that you have, you can say, hey, this is what God did in my life and He'll do it for you too. Let me walk with you through this difficult time so that I can help you, so that I can support you, so that I can lift you up. That's Christianity 101. You know, that, that has to be the way we operate. When you have pain and you're going, I don't understand why God is allowing this in my life. The answer is, because he can use that pain to help other people if you will let him. You know, the, the purpose of suffering isn't, you know, we all are going to suffer. We're all broken. We're all fragile clay vessels. So use that to help other people. Paul says, I just keep going. I don't let this discourage me because I know it's helping other people. I know I'm being used by God, even in the midst of my, my pain. You know, <clears throat> what is going on in your life that is causing you to hurt? What is going on in your life that's causing you pain, that you're struggling with? What's going on? Instead of trying to get rid of it at all cost, stop and say, God, I've got this, this hurt. I've got this pain Please help me to see how I can use that so that you will be glorified. How can I use my pain to, to draw people to you? Because God is the answer. He has the keys to whatever you're dealing with. You know, your greatest ministry is going to come out of your deepest hurts. Understand that. So the pain that you have right now, how could you be using that to help someone else? And again, what's going to keep you from doing it? Well, I don't want people to know I have this problem or I, I don't know how to do this. You know, the reason I shared about my mental health struggles is so that you, you have an example. I don't want people to know that. You know, I, I, I'm not proud of that. I see that as a weakness in my life. But the reality is, is by saying that out loud, I've just talked to a lot of people in this room that are saying, 
Yeah, me too. Or, you know what, I, 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 I struggle or someone I know struggles. You know, we have problems. Quit pretending we don't. The sixth mindset for defeating discouragement, and this is important, is you need to take time to, to recharge, to, to, to get renewal. You know, over the long haul, uh, the, the beat, beat down that life can provide, it can wear you out. You know, and if you don't learn how to renew and if you don't learn how to recharge yourself, you're, you're going to not just become discouraged. You're going you're gonna to want to, again, throw in the towel, become, become uh, you know, disillusioned with it all. In verse 16, he says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Here's the thing. If you are not in the Word of God, you are not being renewed spiritually. You have to be in the Word of God. Newsflash, every single one of us are in a broken body that is going to die one day. Every single one of us. No exceptions unless the rapture happens. Okay? We understand that. So, no matter how hard you work on that body, it's still going to die. It's still going to break down. It's still going to get diseases. It's still going to have problems. But your spirit is, in, is able to be renewed. It's able to be built up again. But the only way that that can happen is if you are in the Word of God. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Romans 12.2, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's where we are here right now. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You need to renew yourself daily. You need to be in the Word of God constantly. It is the most important thing for you to be doing. And then lastly, the, the seventh thing is stay focused on the, the prize. Stay focused on the, the end result. You know, the, the final example that Paul gives us for defeating discouragement is quit looking around at the here and now. You know, some of you people are so addicted to watching the news and then it makes you sick because, you know, what, what is happening in the world that's worth being excited about? You know, I was having a conversation with my son just yesterday and he was talking about the fact that you know, why would anyone want to bring children into this world? Why would anybody want to, you know, be invested that, you know, this, this world is, is a mess? And, and he's not wrong. So we need to understand that to focus on the here and now is, is going to do nothing to encourage. But when we stop and we begin to think, you know what? The here and now, uh, Becky Babb turns 100 on Thursday. Okay, you know how long a hundred is compared to eternity? That long. 
You know, we think, oh, wow, a hundred years, that is so amazing. And it is. But it's that long in eternity. It is nothing. So let's stop and realize that the, the long term is what we're really playing for. We're not playing for the, the here and now. You know, when you get tired, when you get broken down, when you get worn out, stop and say, okay, I can deal with this. It's like holding your breath in a pool. You know, I, I, can, I can stay with this for a bit longer. Paul says in verses 17 and 18, our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long. Okay, this is again the guy that's been shipwrecked. He's been beat. He's been stoned. He's been, you know, had all of these bad things. And he's saying, eh, my troubles are nothing. They're short. Eh, it's no big deal. He goes on, yet they produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Last forever. Let's keep perspective. All right? No matter how bad life is, it's temporary. Okay, and there are, you stop and think about it. There are people all over the world who would give <laughs> give their right arm to trade places with you right now with your problems because they have it a zillion times worse than we do. Our problems are really temporary. And so what we do is instead of focusing on the temporary right now, we focus on the eternal it's going to last forever. So it's important that we, we keep that internal motivation and we keep the right perspective that, yeah, life is hard. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, there's a lot of difficulty in it. Man, there's a, a lot of struggles that happen. But you know what? I've got eternity. And eternity is going to be a long time. You know, remember Jesus, that, that guy Jesus? He went to the cross. He didn't have to. He didn't want to. But he hung in there and he did what he was supposed to do so that we could experience salvation. He kept his eyes on eternity rather than on temporary. And that's the model. That's the model we have. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was awaiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. Keep your eyes where they need to be on the prize, the prize of eternity, don't keep your eyes fixated on the problems that are in front of you. Let's pretend this finger is a problem, all right? If this problem is right here, I can't see anything because of my problem. But if I bring it out here, it's nothing. It's just a finger, okay? When we allow our problems to be right here in our face, that's all we can see. That's all we can think about. But if we'll step back and say, man, 
Look at eternity. Oh, yeah, there, there's some stuff floating around out here. You know, it, it might even be a lot of problems going on, but I can still see eternity. Keep your perspective where it needs to be. Let's bow our, our heads. Dear Jesus, thank you that you set aside eternity. You came and lived among us and you did what we could not do for ourselves. You took our sins upon yourself on the cross. You died for us. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will never be able to fully say enough, but thank you. The best I can do is to give you my life. And Father, my prayer now is that each person in this room will understand what you have done for us, the gift that you have given us, the gift of salvation that we could not give ourselves, that we could not gain ourselves. Please, Jesus, speak to our hearts. Help each person in this room to understand just how deeply you love them and care about them. Help them to trust you, to take this step of faith and say, I believe and I commit my life to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.